welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the 20 of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper. Clay Williams, my host, is with me. Hello. I am with you. That's that's yes. a, that's a fact. That's factually you made it. true. Yes. I, I made Another it surprisingly. Made it. I haven't missed an episode yet. Oh no, wait, that's a lie. I missed one episode because you had to have your friends on, which was, you know, one thing. But I I really wanted to start off this podcast with just saying for the longest time. So I knew this movie was always called Citizen Four, but mm-hmm. in my head, I, I thought like they did the digit four, like in seven or in fan four stick. I thought they actually <laughs> put the number four in the title. Like sc- I don't scream know where. four, like they do it in the middle. Like scream four. Yeah, either in the middle or at the end. And I, and I always just assume, I don't know why I just was like, oh no, they spilled it out. Like any normal yeah, person's yeah. like, no, no, no. This <laughs> it is, is it is always interesting that I, I've, I've found it wild that it was one word. Like I've always spaced it out when I, when I mentioned Citizen Four, like it's, it was I just... could look up what it's referencing because knowing Snowden, he's probably like this, you know, this very like interesting like refer- interesting reference of like he's you know well read or whatever. But I have no, I have no idea. What well, I think it was his. It wasn't. It wasn't that like his uh, his prompt name that he was using in some of his communications. No, I know, but I'm just like, yeah. where did he get that from? Oh, like oh. what? What was like? Was it like some other like anarchist literature that he read? Or I don't. know. I wish there was another movie about him that interrogate that. That we could find this out. Um, yeah, something about like an uh, Oscar-winning not, filmmaker. Yeah, uh, maybe not. Maybe there's nothing. And like cast yeah. someone who does this weird reality yeah. show that no one knows what it's about. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I wish something the... to do with art <laughs> of some kind. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, he's a perplexing movie star who doesn't really make sense, and he was also a horribly miscast person for Snowden. I don't know. I don't. Maybe. Yeah, just... I don't know. It could be no, anything. No, and it's no, like it's coming off the year before. It was another remake of a documentary. Like it could be totally. It could be nobody. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, this is all very broad. Yeah, it kind of weirdly feels like the last time we saw him. It's true. <laughs> I mean, even though really like, like a, he vanished right after this. No, but it feels like he's just been gone yeah. forever. Yeah. He was just in- and it's not even like he was in this Amazon Prime movie that talked about hijacking planes or whatever that no one saw, but people were like, oh, he's back. It's so not do we like know about a happened. project about power? Is this ringing any bells? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. I would love to interrogate the director and be like, did you direct Project Power? Yes or no? And they'll just feel like, I don't remember. <laughs> I, do, I, I did not. I don't know why my name is on this. I don't know what Project Power is. I don't know why you're in my house. Please leave. Um, can we get JGL on the pod, please? <laughs> is that I possible? would love JGL on the pod. He seems like a cool dude. Yeah. Bill, have you talked to Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I've never talked to him, I don't think. I'm trying to think. I've never interviewed him uh, or, or mm-hmm. talked to him. Um, he seems like a he seems like somebody who would be fun to talk to. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, he just he just seems very enthusiastic and and like ambitious he seems very but but like well-intentioned is the is the key part of it also is i think you know some actors and actresses like just like the shape of their face connotes a certain a a, a certain like sensibility that they might not actually have although he does seem to be genuinely enthusiastic but he also has like one of these faces where like the his eyebrows are actually a little hot a little higher than most people so it's yeah like He's always like on, but I think it's just yeah. yeah. Um, it's hard to like consider him being just like relaxed and like lying down and just chilling because he just seems so like like he yeah, like, like I, fidgety. I, I, yeah. Um, I, David Sims, a, a critic you've uh, talked to f- frequently, he describes yeah. him as a pencil. 
and I always have remembered that so vividly. I think maybe just his either his performance in Inception or just overall, but like he just describes him as like a pencil, yeah. and I'm just like that's actually who he is. He's just always standing up straight. You can never. I don't think anyone could show me that he's ever bent before. Like he's yeah. ever bended any any ligaments. And kind. I mean, like, regardless, it, that doesn't mean that he's a bad actor. Like, oh, I, no, I, mean, I like him. I mean, we've talked about Inception and Looper, and the, he's good in both of those. He's he's great, and he's great in Inception. He's he's a, he's a, he's actually a genuinely good actor. Mm -hmm. I think he's you know, it maybe kind of became famous a little too quickly, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've never seen Third Rock of, from the Sun, or what, what's it called? The John Lithgow. You got it. No, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never seen that. Is he good in that? I think it wasn't that yeah, break, broke him out. Um, there was that in 10 Things I Hate About You. It was oh, the combo right. of this. Yeah. He's terrific in 10 Things yeah, I Hate. Yeah, I think he's very good. Um, I, yeah, and I mean, I don't really know what he was trying to get at with uh, Don John, but we can save that for possibly another time. If, of course. I, it, okay, if JGL ever does come on this podcast, he has to choose, he has to do Don John. He has to, has to, has to. I don't know. I, I don't want to so flex much the rules. Like, just, I'm just more curious what he pick is. <laughs> I, 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 true. Uh, he can pick anything. I wouldn't tell him to, he has to do Don yeah, John. Yeah, we we're, really we're not going to take like, John John off the board is, is what we're saying. Yeah, Don John. <laughs> you come in, you can come on, but you cannot talk about Don John. You also, just can't. Like, uh, by the way, uh, d d d we should probably not let uh JGL hijack a podcast, but but I was gonna say he seems like somebody who'd be totally happy to talk about a movie that he had nothing to do with. Like oh for sure, yeah. He seems like, yeah, he seems like a fan. He seems yeah. like somebody who watches a lot of stuff and has interesting thoughts about it. Um, yeah, about it he seems like an, an interesting um, viewer as much as he is a performer. But with us uh, uh, rejoining us today is uh, Bill Goodbury. Hello, how are you? Hi, good to be hey. here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us again. Um, is the NSA following you right now? We have to ask this question. Are you wiretapped around this around this home? Yeah, exactly. Are all of the phones unplugged? Uh, yeah. Uh, is the door behind you gonna like collapse and it's all set? Is that what we're gonna get? At? I am in Arlington, Virginia, right now, which is probably not far from you know the seat of power. Uh, but um, yeah, um, I was actually just the other day, just a couple of days ago, I was at the Spy Museum. Mm, fun museum yeah. fun museum and it's funny because they they actually have a section on snowden um i oh, mean it's, wow. kind of, it's kind of worked in with there's a section called top secret and a section called you know cyber security and he's kind of right in the middle of those so um you know there there's i mean he's incorporated in he's actually incorporated interestingly in the same kind of i mean all these displays are little little um little booths where you kind of yeah tell the story and um his story is actually interestingly interwoven with the rosenbergs um <laughs> and i mean it's they're not equating him with the rosenbergs obviously but but it is kind of a you know tackling the controversy over it where you know some people you know wanted them dead and other people are like these people are totally innocent but it's interesting because the part of the story of the rosenbergs is eventually we find out that Julius Rosenberg actually was a spy, um, but um, and even his family have since kind of given given the stuff that's been disclosed, you know, over the past 20, 30 years or whatever. Um, but like to to put to put Snowden in with them is yeah is, because it's kind of like well, I mean, there's no debate over 
what he did. I mean, he's, you know, the, the, the debate is over whether the thing he did was, was, you know, legitimate or not. Yeah. Um, if he, but, yeah, if it was right, if it was called for. You, but yeah, that is interesting. Like, why this? Yeah, okay. Yeah, because I'm, now I'm thinking more about him. Like, why are you putting him in this spy museum? Like, he, I, I guess it has to do with like foreign intelligence and national security, but like, also, are you saying he's a spot? Like, why is that placement? Oh, that's interesting. I'm, well, okay. It, well, I think, I think if you call him a spy, it's almost as if you're saying he's stealing something. Mm-hmm. Or, or if he's like committing a crime, but really he just knows something and he wants more people to know about it is like the way well, I've always they, they don't call him a spy. Um, there, there, there is, well, two things. One, I think, and I can't remember if the film addresses this too, but like there's that difference between a spy and a whistleblower, right? Yeah, exactly. They do talk about that, yeah. And, and, and I mean, he, because he's not doing anything for a foreign government, he's just- No, he's not, he's not a spy. Uh, but there is also what what, but but he is actually because uh, but but he wouldn't be the spy. What he's doing is uh, revealing all the things that America is doing. <laughs> like it's true. Uh, in the world of espionage, right? So so like he's revealing government spying on its citizens. Uh, okay, I see. So, so it's sort of it's sort of where I mean, thanks. I didn't, it did not surprise me that he was in there because this, I mean, it's called the spy museum, but it covers a whole range of things. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. And secrets and stuff like that. But, um, but it was interesting to see him in there. Uh, and it's also because, you know, these museum exhibits, obviously they, they go in and out, but a place like the spy museum, you gather like their exhibit and their, you know, the, 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 the thinking behind so much of what they present probably changes constantly. Yeah. No. Um, so. And also, like people have to approve that. Like that's a controversial person to put in yeah. any kind of museum. Oh yeah. And so like people had like board members and like investors had to be like, yes, you can put a Snowden yeah. exhibit. Yeah. It's got so, like approves. Uh, yeah, exactly. And like, like, and you and may, and I wouldn't like, I wouldn't be surprised if someone in DC, because like, you know, so many people in DC work for the government, went into that museum and caused a fuss. Like, why are you putting him in here? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are you know, how are, why are you characterizing him like that? Mm, interesting um yeah let's just kick things off with our um fourth episode in the series or uh fifth fifth episode yeah fifth fourth? episode. In, no in wait, se- wait wait no, no you're no, right it's episode five fifth, yeah fifth, yeah, uh, fifth yeah, episode yeah. in the series uh season four um bill Gate, you can go first on the first time that you saw this well mm-hmm. i saw it um i saw it actually at a, at a press screening that they had mm-hmm. right before the film premiered because if I remember correctly, it was premiering at the New York Film Festival, um, yeah, right. and they actually had a screening. And I and, I, and it was a last second, like they did. It was not in the original slate uh, announced for the festival. It was added later, and it was kind of, if I remember correctly, um, we were told that we were going to be seeing uh, a documentary that was about like recent stuff. Um, I can't remember if. I don't remember exactly at what point they told us what the film was, but I don't think it was even called Citizen Four at the time. It was called Citizen Four, like when we saw the movie, it was called Citizen Four, but but it was such a nebulous thing. But we knew because when Snowden was, you know, when, when the Snowden news first appeared, we knew that Laura Poitras was involved. So, um, so we knew that she was working on something. Um, so we knew that there would be a film eventually. But, yeah, and uh, she just came off of that Iraq documentary, I, I think. So 
It was like yeah, she's how known familiar entity. were you with her work before Citizen Four? I had seen her. Pre- I had seen My Country, My Country, and The Oath. Yeah, that's... Um, and so I, I knew her work. I, I didn't. You know, she she was one of those. You know, she was one of these filmmakers who had been kind of really engaged with um, the post nine eleven world and had been making interesting work around it. Um, you know, somebody like um, I mean, I thought you know um, James Longley, uh, who directed Iraq and Fragments, um, was was a friend of mine. So I was I was interested in you know, that whole movement of filmmakers mm-hmm. tackling just all the different ways that American um, policy uh, and American actions were just like spiraling out at, in the wake of 9-11, be it through spying, through war in Afghanistan, through the war in Iraq, or, you know, clandestine. Guantanamo. Yeah, Guantanamo. I mean, there was so much of this stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, Alex Gibney with Taxi to the Dark Side. And, and so this was... I mean, so there was a drumbeat of this stuff, and I've actually been revisiting some of these films recently because because of some some other project, and not just the documentaries, but but the um, the, the narrative films that have been made. You know, we have this we have this sense, and it's not incorrect, but we have the sense that like the war in Iraq and even you know government spying and all the, all these actions that the US took these many many actions that the US took in the wake of 9/11 we have the sense that a lot of this stuff was happened happened without anybody knowing about it or without any kind of debate happening around it that's true in some cases but it's not true like the the, the now the Iraq war debate i mean it was a rigged debate right uh, yeah. the media was kind of i mean they were also being lied to uh, and in mm. some cases, lying to themselves about stuff. But, but this was—I mean, look—I was—I was around for this. You know, people were; these were the biggest protests in the history of the world. The protests against the Iraq War. So it wasn't like this. It wasn't like we just kind of waltzed into this. Like there was this—you know—there was a long period of just like national anguish over this. What the, the frustrating thing was, it wasn't necessarily always being reflected in the press. Or it, it wasn't always being reflected in like the op-ed pages. It was being covered in the press, um, but you know, and and also like the, like the things like well, the, the you know what happened at Gitmo. Obviously, that came as a shock to a lot of people, um, and obviously we didn't have that debate. <laughs> um, yeah, but but the spying thing—it's interesting because when the Patriot Act passed, um, there was a lot of discussion around this. But what had happened was, the um, you know the the, uh, the Republicans had been so active in um, in making the Democrats look weak on security in the wake of of everything that had happened, which is ironic given that it was under Republican administration that September 11th happened. Um, but the the, the Re- Republicans had been so good at putting the Democrats on the defensive about this stuff that even though a lot of Democrats voted for the Patriot Act, they managed to make it look like somehow they were opposed to it. And, and it's, I mean, it reverberated and it, and in some ways led to uh, so much of the uh, Republican establishment um, in, in power today, even despite the fact that, you know, Congress is ostensibly controlled by Democrats and, you know, presidency is controlled by Democrats. Um, And, uh, 
the, the fascinating thing about all this is that I'm not fascinated. The tragic thing about it all this to a certain extent is the fact that, you know, the Republicans have since kind of redefined themselves as like the party that's against the wars. And yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing how so many of the same characters that supported all this shit back then have now sort of become, if not necessarily active uh, opponents of the stuff have somehow benefited from it. And it's great. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely crazy to me. And so they've become the anti-establishment party while they've also, but they've been fighting that they've been fighting for the establishment their entire, like the tea party itself before Trump, before QAnon, all that shit was itself like a form of the establishment, you know, like for American supremacy in a lot of different ways and in American imperialism. And now they're like, well, okay, the military, like, it's so funny to see like Republicans now, I like identifying and saying the military industrial complex is bad. And I'm like, 20 like 10 years ago you're like there no such thing exists or whatever like it's crazy it's incredible um and so it's it's fascinating to revisit this stuff you know because there's there's i remember i got into a fight with somebody uh, at some point (laughs) who was saying that like the movies didn't um really uh address you know american militarism and uh, you know uh, you know, American actions in the wake of 9-11. I was just like, I, I feel like there was one of these things coming out every week. Um, yeah. We can argue that they weren't good, that they weren't effective, not enough people saw them. That's all, I mean, valid. And we can talk about the, the complacency of American society in general. Um, that's that's certainly something worth discussing. You know, lionize, I mean, Citizen Four is a good example of them, but it, it, it is it is weird to to when when I hear people forgetting or just not being aware of because this was actually you know some time ago at this point. The fact that there were so many films tackling, not just the Iraq War, the Afghan War, or you know, the surveillance state or Gitmo or or all these things. I mean, obviously it wasn't enough, and and you did get a sense of, you do get a sense of the disconnect between media and the public's response to media, right? I mean, this is a thing we talk about now all the time, which is, you know, spy thrillers from from the 70s or 80s, or not spy thrillers, like any kind of thriller from the 70s or 80s, in which you have somebody um, with like some really important information that they, that they, you know, get to the press at the end of the movie. And this happens, I mean, it's almost a cliche at this point, but you'd have these films where like the last shot was like the guy is outside the Washington Post office. Yeah. Or like, I mean, it's, you know, it's that SNL sketch, the newspaper movie, right? Where it's well, like they're I, rushing I to... that sketch, but, but it's yeah. a, it's a thing, you know, or, or like, you know, somebody puts like, Oh a... wait, that it wasn't an SNL sketch. It was on uh late night with Seth Meyers. They did right. like a, yeah. Thing. Yeah. But anyway. yeah. Or, or somebody puts a, puts a, you know, puts a, dossier into an envelope yeah. and writes the new york times on it yeah exactly mail. and that's it end of the movie yeah. they get onto the truck right. like just in time to deliver it's it. in watchmen yeah. like it, it, like it's it's in everything it, yeah. during and, that and, and it, i mean i i remember writing about this and actually talking to people about this uh when i wrote about the insider um a few years Another ago whistleblower and movie. i remember asking yes. michael mann about Another it and, and um you know just saying hey listen or i asked lowell bergman about this um which was, you know, once upon a time, the idea of like getting something out via the media was basically, that was it. You know, people were gonna know about this now and there was gonna be, you know, some kind of response. And, and it's, it's fascinating now to look at all these films 
um, and shows and, and, and obviously reports, books, tons of stuff that came out about this. It wasn't so much that there wasn't anything being done about it. It wasn't that there wasn't reporting about it. Obviously, a lot of that reporting was flawed, but it wasn't that there wasn't a lot of reporting about it and a lot of people talking about it. It was just that like there was this incredible disconnect between the public's response um, to media and what was being said. Um, and it really grew during this time. And, and, um, and Citizen Four was an interesting example. I mean, it was a successful film. It made, you know, several million dollars, which is a lot for a documentary. Won an Oscar, right? Um, and, uh, you know, and, and it, it kind of came out, obviously it was in the wake of the Snowden revelation. So, you know, there was some advance uh, one hesitates to call it buzz <laughs> because yeah. it's, just, it's just a cheap thing to say about it. But that was one of the few films that seemed to kind of break through in some way. Not that millions of people watched it necessarily, but that the fact that this, this wasn't film, hoop dreams, the fact that yeah, the fact that this film was out there and that it existed and it was, and there were things in it, it like mm -hmm. it, it broke through a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, the, did it actually it, affect change? It definitely has like its finger on the pulse and yeah. like, it captured something yeah. in, uh, uh, 2014 that we all like saw coming and, and yeah. then like it was I think it was the way that Poetris captures it where it's like wow this is this has such like an immediacy to it um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and and I think the film also has oh I'm sorry I interrupted go ahead oh no yeah you can I was just gonna talk about like the time that I first saw this but you can finish your thoughts first no no go ahead talk about the first okay, I've been gotcha. talking enough <laughs> <laughs> Strangely, like I was trying to think about this, and it's like oddly specific. Um, when I first came across season four, um, my friends and I we do this friendsgiving every year. It's it's like we get together um, the day before um, uh, Thanksgiving. We get very drunk, and then we all go to Thanksgiving the day after. And <laughs> I was waiting for my friend. This is when I didn't have a driver's license. And I was waiting for my friend to come get me. This was like, it's like junior year of high school. Like, I, I think it was maybe senior year, but anyway, so it was, I was scrolling through Amazon Prime and I look at Citizen Four, it's on Amazon Prime. And I've heard of this, like, and I know the poster, like is like a shot of stone and is like a blue tint filter. I always, I always known of, of its existence. And I see that Citizen Four leaves, um, it was like December 1st, um, I think. Um, and, I, and I look, it's like November 30th or it's uh, it's like November 29th. It was, it was like the day after the day it is now. I'm like, oh, wow. So it's going to expire tomorrow. And I, and I watch it. And, it's, <laughs> and then like as soon as I finish, like I, I'm off to this Friendsgiving party and like cut to like my friend and I just like having a ball and we're just talking about this and for this entire party. <laughs> and it, it just turns into one of those things like that was why did it just why did i decide to see this now that it's just like leaving prime um on this one very specific occasion that i could like fit it in and then i would go to this thing and then like that's all i could think about mm -hmm. i would um, pay so much money just to hear you talk like absolutely wasted talking about the nsa and like with a friend like you right, know man yeah. like they're 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 wiretapping all of us and you know they're they're hearing everything we say yeah. all of those text messages those emojis man i tell i'm telling you they're i really truly don't know how it came across but i know it was absolute nonsense and like, I I just, 
leave it at that. Um, but yeah, like that was kind of my first time, and it's always kind of like lingered with me. Like I've, I'd like to think that I've seen a, a pretty good amount of documentaries. Like going into this, like I, I want to think that I have a pretty good base knowledge of documentary filmmaking, and this was one that's always like stood out from the batch um, that I'd seen. Did you know much about Snowden before you watched it? I remember hearing Stone's name a lot as a as a kid. I mean, it's a I great think... name, Snowden. <laughs> it's catchy. Um, <laughs> as gravitas to it, um, yeah. But it's, it was just because when I was in middle school, like when we would have our our mornings uh, as a family, like my dad would always have have the news on, and so like several of like world events, I would have I would have such like minuscule knowledge of just because like. I would have a young brain absorbing it all like uh, Sandy Hook shooting or, you know, um, the government lockdown, like the shutdown, at the White House lockdown. Um, and it's yeah, like and I think that the NSA Stone um, whole debacle, like that was just another one of those things that it's like I remember the names and um, how he was always that he was persecuted to Russia. Like I remember that detail, but never the person itself. And um yeah, and, and I did think you know the debates? Is... Like, did you no, understand? No, no, I didn't. I never the, knew the the the, the moral quandaries. Yeah, I was I was much too young for that. I think at the time, um, but I I think that this doc tremendously captures Snowden as a, as a person. Like he he doesn't want to be in the spotlight of any of this. He doesn't want to like be the the martyr or the hero. He just he feels like this is. Yeah, I mean, he has immense pressure. He he doesn't want the pressure. He doesn't act. I don't think he acts well on, under the pressure. He's just a really smart guy who happens to be under pressure, right? So, and like the movie is just painstakingly human. And I've always responded to the way Portress has sought out to capture this portrait. Um, yeah, that's, that's my first time. So, well, this was my first time watching it. I have no grand story about it. Like I knew it existed. I knew it was about Snowden. Um, I always forgot that Snowden actually happened in like 2013 or like 2014 or no, no, 2013-ish. Yeah. And I always, for some reason, I just imagine it was earlier in the Obama administration. I thought it was like, I thought it was like the, around the time, when did Bin Laden get killed? 2011? 2011, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's another I one. Like think, I remember seeing that on the TV yeah. during the morning. Yeah. Right for- it's before it's in his first term. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Because he ran. No, because he ran on I killed Osama bin Laden. So yeah, it was probably like at the end of his first term. So that was like 2011 or something. And it's like, I I thought it was something closer to that. I just totally forgot. It so was that was pre like, Don John, is what we're saying. There's pre and there's post. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all we can really refer to. World events as um, pre uh, PD PD pre Don John <laughs> or no PDJ PDJ. Um, but yeah, so it's like. I knew it existed. My reference to Snowden was, so my mom worked for the government during this time. And so, and obviously me, you know, she was very like politically savvy. She kind of, I was always just around politics because she was, that was her work. She worked in, worked in the government, worked in DC. Um, And it's like, even though it's like the environmental stuff, it's still like, she still has, you know, like she, she has a lot of strong opinions about foreign policy and stuff like that. And so, you know, the news was always on. And so I heard that name a lot. And how it was always characterized to me, either by like, maybe I would ask my mom about who, like what, what is known, like who is known and what's, what's that all about? And like, just the news I would eavesdrop on 
was that like he was characterized as like some insignificant person who doesn't know what they're doing and releasing all this dangerous volatile information out there and then just leaving uh and like he was it, it was i was never he was never characterized positively to me like besides that he was like he was well intentioned but he was out of his depth that's like the all it's like the impression i got like for the entire time i like for that chunk of time when he just became into the uh, walked into the spotlight, um, and then after that, like then years on, I've been like, oh no, there's uh, so much more complex than that. It has, you know, there's a lot of different variables to it, and how like the reactionary um, discussion that happened around him is he a traitor? Is he a patriot? And like that constant like you know binary label of did he do good or bad? <laughs> And that, like, and you were talking earlier, Bilga, about how media, like, you know, it's not, there's no more movie plots of putting, like, a, like a tape in a, a yellow envelope, write New York Times and send it into, like, and put it in a post box and then the movie ends. There's, there's a lot, there's like an after effect of it. And, and like you were talking about with the Iraq war, like post 9-11, that's all, you also see the rise of, plat like um debate shows and panels and cnn 24 7 and fox news 24 7 all about Talking like discourse heads, debate like, and like media personalities your carlson your bill o'reilly's your you know um your J jack tapers or whatever and like your brian williams all that kind of shit <laughs> so they, like it is crazy to me. <laughs> what did you say your drag drapers <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, I would think I was mumbling. I like Brian Williams and like Jack Draper. Of course, he was also uh, yes. very heavily involved. I'm just coming from that. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I just now thinking about it, I'm like, oh, like an entire person was characterized to me through like people shit talking about them on TV. Like, I just kind of like, oh, that's like right. the that's what the news I absorbed. I didn't hear. I didn't absorb the news of like. Edward Snowden did X, Y, and Z. I heard, like, what I heard was Snowden is a patriot, Snowden is a traitor, Snowden is blah. Like, it's just, I didn't actually understand the substance, but I just heard, I just heard the reactions to it. Yeah, because it's like at the, I think at that age for you and I, we, we never got to form our own opinion. We were just told information. That, and like very like, angry like, opinions too. <laughs> just like, this is who it is. This is what it isn't. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, and so- I watched it obviously, and I kind of wish I watched it. And I'm gonna just talk about it now a little bit. Oh, I really boy. wished I watched it before I know knew who Glenn Greenwald was, because that would have really made the viewing experience so much better. Of course. Um, obviously, I the funny thing is I saw this movie after I've been like I now know a lot about Glenn Greenwald and like his reactionary politics and like what yeah. he's how he's been ch changed in the last year from like this kind of like leftist icon into like this reactionary bullshitter, like narcissist. And I mean, like for better, or for worse, like he's kind of like the main character of the film. You know, he's, he's, we start and I mean, we don't end, but we start with him and like, just yeah, it's as, him and Snowden. as someone who's, he's like the call to action is Snowden taking on this ordinary person in an extraordinary time. So like, yeah. Well, I think there's, I mean, there are a couple of things you guys mentioned that, that, that I want to talk about, but one thing regarding Greenwald, um, it is interesting how much the characters around the story, their relationships have changed so much over the years. 
mm-hmm. their relationships to each other and their relationships to us because um and and ironically enough the person who hasn't changed in part because he's like in exile and yeah. you know doesn't really yeah you know, I, do I, I don't get the sense that he gives a lot of interviews but yeah. like snowden himself has become this kind of like like he's a little fixed, right? I mean, I he I think he's still on Twitter and and posts and stuff, but he's not. Oh, really? But he's not. You know, he's not constantly in the public eye. Even someone like Assange, who has been in the, um, um, you know, I mean, I think he's out of the. I think he's out of the uh, Ecuadorian embassy at this point. Who actually? Speaking UK, of Assange, like I've never in, like the first time that I saw this. This is the first time I had ever heard of Assange. I didn't well, know. Well, okay. Well, if you um, so you know, the the. the I mean, the story of how Laura Poitras wound up making this movie is also interesting because, you know, she was working on another movie when this happened, when when she came across the Snowden stuff. Um, and parts of that movie are in Citizen Four. Um, that, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the first whistleblower that she's, that she's, you know, that she's following. She was making a film, William Binney. Mm. She was making a film kind of following him. But she was also making a film about Assange, right? Which comes out later called Risk. Um, yeah. And I think it was like 2016. Yeah. 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 And, and Risk is a fascinating movie because, you know, she premiered a version of it at Cannes in 2016 um, that, you know, got okay response. Uh, I know Assange was pretty upset by it. Um, but I gather, I didn't see it at Cannes and I really regret this because she, so I gather that that was a slight, somewhat more flattering portrait of Assange than Risk eventually wound up being, um, even though he wasn't happy with it. Um, but that was actually some of the criticism around the film at the time. And then in the 2016 election, Assange basically becomes seen as kind of, you know, a Trump foot soldier, which is yeah. I think, unfair to him, but I, I do think that he kind of let lets let WikiLeaks get used in that way and mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, and and then like Laura Poitras comes out with Risk and she's re-edited it, <laughs> um, and it's like a, more critical of Assange. Now I haven't seen the orig- the first version of the film, so I don't know how different it is. I've heard that it's substantially different, but you know. That that version of the film, I think, is just like does not exist anymore. Um, wow! But I could be wrong. It's possible there's some Blu-ray with it on it. But I just have I've, I've never been exposed to that cut of the film. Um, and so, you know, it's like these people are shaping public opinion, but public opinion is also shaping them to a certain extent, right? I mean, I don't think that original cut of Risk was a like a hagiography, but um, but I think. Laura Poitras, even more so than with other films, I mean, she would have been, I think, savaged if she came out in the wake of Trump's election with a film that was like, hey, Julian Assange doing some important work out there, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so it becomes more about, the, I, I, as I understand, the film becomes a little bit more about Assange and kind of his egomania. Um, and um, so, you know, it's it's because we think of these films as being sort of, you know, objective. I mean, we don't really think of them as objective, but we kind of do. Like, we kind of think, okay, documentary truth, you know. But they're being very careful about what, what they oh, yeah. tell us and how they tell us these things. What I really appreciate, though, about Citizen Four um, 
is that, you know, she's coming at this after the revelations have happened. Um, and she's played a part in the revelations in the stuff that um, Snowden exposed, but she's coming at it later. Um, and so even though her film is kind of about, especially initially about his revelations, it winds up being, I think, more a film about him, as you said. Um, and that, you know, it becomes so much about like this claustrophobic space of the hotel room and kind of him basically making peace. I mean, we were seeing it on camera, like him making his peace with what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of accepting the fact that he is going to be, I mean, because initially he's like, listen, I, I'm, I'm, you know, he's fine with being burned. Like he knows they're going to find him at some point, but at some point in the film, it's kind of like, they're not just going to find me. I am like, now I am actually going to come out and say, this is me. This is who I am. Um, it's a little bit of like, I'm not quitting, I'm fired. Or something like that. <laughs> well, that, but also, you know, it's it's a way of preempting. Um, because, you know, the, the, the news was going to become the search for whoever this person was. Like that yeah. was going to become a thing. Um, and, and, you know, I, I mean, it's funny. It's like, you think about like the, the search for Deep Throat, right? Um, I mean, that was a very different time, you know, in Woodward and Bernstein's time. And D Deep Throat became kind of a, a, a side show to the whole thing. And people were fascinated by it, obviously, and, you know, talked about it for, for decades as to who this guy might be. But Elaine May knew. If something like this happened now, all anyone would care about is... Yeah. Like, they would just completely forget about the revelations, yeah. about the news, nothing the number one story in the news and on like every blog and every would be like, who's deep throat. Right. And so I think um, Snowden and I guess, I mean, I think Greenwald, I gather is the person that sort of pushed them to do this um, by sort of coming out there uh, and saying, this is me, this is who I am. Here's a picture of me. Uh, I'm being interviewed on camera as we speak. Um, yeah. I think he sort of preempted that. Uh, and I think he did the right thing in that sense in, in kind of, by sort of putting himself out there in some weird way, he actually made sure that his message um, carried much more than his identity. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's, you know, I mean, that's I think a very savvy choice by the filmmaker to sort of just focus on, um, focus on Snowden as a person. Uh, and the film really becomes about that. Ultimately, I mean, you can admire and love a movie like Citizen Four, even if you don't love what Snowden did. Like even somebody mm -hmm. who's ambivalent about his actions, I think could find something in this film because it's so much about just, like you said, a, an ordinary person in, under extraordinary circumstances. Um, yeah, and as, far, as for Greenwald, you know, it's, I mean, he was already here, you know, <laughs> As far as like uh, film people are concerned, he was already on our shit list <laughs> before that for for attacking Zero Dark Thirty before having seen it. Um, oh boy! So it was interesting because that. Do you do you, are, were you guys aware of that whole thing? Because you know when when Zero Dark. 30, I'm not. But I'm I'm not. Surprised. I quite I like that movie. It, I, I, I love that movie, but but you know Greenwald came out early against that movie. A couple of other people did too. Um, 
he hadn't seen it, but he was like, this film, you know, glorifies torture and makes it seem as if torture was the reason Bill Naden was caught. Um, and he, uh, you know, he came out against the movie and a lot of people were like, well, fuck you, you haven't seen the film. Like you shouldn't even, <laughs> yeah. but it was also one of those cases of like a politics person getting involved with film. And, you know, a lot of us were like, why are these assholes, you know, yeah. talking about movies? But of course, it's like a film about like an important thing. It's not like, you know, yeah. it's not like, you know, if he had a, if, it, if he was tweeting about Marriage Story or something or, or The Irishman, <laughs> that would be one thing. But he's actually tweeting about a movie that's about like the search for bin Laden and like the security state, which are yeah. topics that he covers. Um so here's takes on Monster Hunter. That's for sure. Yeah. So it was funny though, because when Citizen Four came out and he was like this hero, a lot of us like kind of took the L on that one. I well, I guess Grand Greenwald is okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then yeah. it, it all reverted back to the mean and he kind of became a you know professional. Yeah. Now we're back to square one. Yeah. 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 My I the thing about Greenwald is that he and it's tough not to talk journal. about him because it's not like no, yeah. he's, he's a good talk, it's he's not a, like he's in a few talking heads like this is the yeah movie. he's like yeah. part of the movie he's a good journalist what he's done is very important like himself like about the nsa about the iraq war you know him tackling american imperialism he's just a horrible human being that's a, that's the bottom that's the bottom line he like you know he's a tucker carlson person now who just loves to appear on tucker and like and, and what he does on twitter all day is shit post other other um other journalists and like and is like super aggro about it and also is like one of the most hypocritical obtuse people i've ever fucking heard um he's just he's just an asshole and someone i would love to give a wedgie but he's also an incredible journalist who made a huge impact of this so it's just one of it's just that thing it's just those it's that dichotomy it is that you know it's it's just the matter of fact of he he, he's a very great very good at his job but how he does it you know it's He's also an incredible narcissist and you can kind of see it in this movie too. You can just see that like his ego just kind of like go up and up and up about like, like how self-righteous he is about it. And it's very interesting. Especially when they cut from the hotel room to when he's on the news, like it's, it's almost as if like a switch is being turned on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just, I just want to like put a piece of paper that says kick me on his back. Can't we just definitely, I agree. Is a friend of mine who, um, who covers politics a lot uh, and has, has written about this stuff for, for years and, and knows a lot of these, the people in this world intimately, um, you know, has said, you know, one of the things that you have to remember is people that are on TV, um, especially people who have shows mm-hmm. and also people who are constantly on TV as like, you know, prized talking heads, they live, um, you know, they live in these fascinating cocoons um, and and they 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 don't necessarily always hear um, anything negative. Right. Um, yeah. And and, you know, it's it, like it's a, it, it's such a it warps your reality so much, uh, which is why you'll get people who are decent journalists who become absolute like. Psychos. I mean, this is yeah. crazy. But once upon a time, Tucker Carlson was not a bad journalist. They're like, yeah. Know, it's. I mean, it's just. It's fascinating to watch from the outside when you watch these people kind of slip, you know, into these roles. And then you know, you see them go. Like, you'll see someone change networks, and they'll change their ideology. It's true. Without without blinking. Um, 
and because they're they're now in this i mean glenn beck is the classic example of that just going back and forth you know to various outlets and you know sometimes he's like vaguely liberal and sometimes he's like middle of the road conservatives and then sometimes he's just like fire breathing psycho fascist um, Pierce morgan had his own cnn show not that long ago oh yeah and and Piers morgan is in citizen four right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah i remembered i just remembered like a cnn like uh Greenwald is uh, in- getting interviewed on CNN and it's Pierce Morgan's voice. And I'm like, oh, that's right. They ha- he legitimately had a CNN show. Yeah, well, he took over the Larry King interview show. And, 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 and you know, he's, he's in Citizen Four being like this hard-hitting journalist and he's a fucking joke now. But yeah. Greenwald is, is fascinating to me because, I mean, I think he still lives in Brazil, right? Yeah, um, he did. And he's still writing out the Brazilian government. Like he's still, the funny thing is he's still like doing interesting, like good things. Like he's writing about the Brazil... Uh, Bolsonaro um, administration and doing some really good investigative journalism with that stuff. But he's also then just yeah. talks like a fucking asshole. <laughs> like he just well, says the stupidest shit. Well, he's in an actual dystopia. Um, so in, in, in some weird way, his reality distortion field, like there must be something, I don't know. I don't want to psychoanalyze a person I've never met, but, but I wonder if maybe there's something very comforting yeah about like suddenly being on like a u.s television show um where uh i mean the u.s is a dystopia in certain ways but maybe not quite in the way that brazil is right now um yeah for sure so so i don't know um you know it's it's fascinating to see like how the camera changes these people um and that's also a thing i actually admire about snowden you get the sense and again maybe this is just the way the film is presenting him but but you get the sense that the camera has not changed him so much. I mean, the, yeah. he was accused of narcissism early on in um, in his revelations. Uh, but like in retrospect, he seems like the least narcissistic person <laughs> presented in, true. in movies. Um, you know, between Greenwald and Assange and all these people, I mean, maybe Poitras, not so much, but like, but he's like the most normal person in there. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and Poitras is in a very interesting interview. She's just like very bright and articulate, but never someone who's like with an agenda. Just, oh, just yeah. more just I wanted to tell a story. And in um the way that this all came together, like you mentioned, was fascinating that this was has no intention of um being focused in on Ed Snowden. It was just more Well, he about chose her, her, right? Yeah, he yeah, chose I, I, I he so. chose Greenwald and her um, because they were both on NSA watch list. At least that's what I, she says. I can't yeah. recall the studio that distributed this. I, I had it in my head, this but one? I'm blanking. Yeah, yeah this one. Um, but it, it but it was like when she went to uh, the distributor, she's like, "Keep this very discreet about what I'm filming. <laughs> Keep <Please>. this <laughs> under wrap." And I and she was like, "I, I cannot tell you, but and um, a producer friend of hers, I, I think." As a producer friend, she's like, I want you to be funded. I'm going to give you whatever you'd like. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody what you're doing. <laughs> and of course, like, um, it just it just turned out to be something that captured what everyone was feeling. Because the, the current events, I think this might be our documentary that, that we're going to talk about. That's like the current events in the actual filming and then the release and then the Oscar win, like those things are not too far apart. They're right? so well, close I mean, together. This was, a, this was a Weinstein movie. Um, it was, it was oh, Radius. Another one. Wow. It was Radius, which was their kind of like 
boutique arm of the Weinstein company. Yeah. It also said like in partnership with HBO Films. I saw it. Yeah, one yeah. I mean, I think those were the companies that produced it and participant in those guys. But but uh, Radius actually distributed it. But um, you know, Radius was actually Tom Quinn, um, who then went and founded um, Neon. Um, so yeah. um, I mean, they, they had a falling out with. I mean, they. I don't think they liked Weinstein to begin with, but then they had a real falling out with him and moved. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, it was it, this was a this was a radius release. Um, it's interesting though, because I remember uh, the year of Citizen Four. I was on the um, Gotham Awards documentary nominating committee, um, and you know, Citizen Four like just sailed right through. Like Citizen Four was the one we all agreed wow. was going to be was going to be nominated. Uh, I can't remember the other films we nominated that year, um, but. But the one, you know, I mean, I, I believe we nominated Actress, Robert Greene's Actress, which is actually, which I think is one of the great documentaries of the millennium. Um, and I was always pulling for Actress to win its various awards. And of course, Citizen Four just trounced everything in its path uh, at the time. But um, it's, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, obviously, obviously Citizen Four was a very important movie. But it was such an awards juggernaut too, um, that like a in lot every of other- sense it like the whole thing, mean, it Pulitzer's Oscars like all of it connected like yeah. won all of the kind of awards. And I think win. that what we're noticing is that uh, many of the docs do that. Like it's never really a two horse race, or rarely it is. Yeah. Well, it's it's. I mean, I think in the case of Citizen Four, it was such a um, it was such a momentous movie in that sense i mean i think she did a phenomenal job with it i also don't think it's even close to being her best film you know like i think mm-hmm. the oath is an incredible movie um and uh and i think my country my country is, is is very good as well i mean she's a she's a very good filmmaker obviously but um but you know citizen four had that cachet of just like this is an important thing you kind of have to recognize that it goes beyond cinema it felt like breaking news it felt like the documentary yeah. was breaking news even though it was already broken because it's so close <laughs> together yeah no yeah. definitely yeah. yeah um and she does a nice job with it because she does i mean like i said she focuses on him but she also like there's that scene at the end um where Greenwald is giving Snowden these new revelations. And I guess these are these Chelsea Manning's revelations that, you know, the, 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 a, new, a, a new whistleblower has come forward. And here, I think so. here's what we found out. And he's showing, uh, he's sh- Greenwald is, is showing uh, Snowden these things. And, you know, we see Snowden's responses before we see what they are. So he sees the response, and then he tears it up, and then we see what it is. And it's... Yeah. That's so great final it, shot too. It feels it feels it feels rough because it's kind of handheld and it's kind of you know out of out of order the shots, but it's so carefully put together. I mean, that's a, such a beautiful it's really well edited cinematic yeah. suspense. And and when you think about it, like I mean, it says something like, you know, 1.5 million people are currently under um, NSA surveillance or you know uh, are currently being surveilled. Um, we already have seen Snowden's response that that thing could say anything and we'd be like, oh my God, you know, like it could say 15,000 people are under surveillance yeah. and we'd be like, oh my God, because we've seen his response. Um, yeah. And I think that that's such an interesting way to tell the story. Like she has to both further the story, like further the narrative of 
there is there is more shit happening and we're finding about it as we speak um while also keeping focused on snowden the person but while also giving the sense that this is this is a moment in time that that they're capturing that that's really important for like our generation and future generations and all that um you know the the film is like the film feel, feels formless at times it's not like yeah, highly yeah. structured but she's juggling all these things and she's doing it incredibly well yeah and something i i really love about those like epilogue title cards at the very end is like it it feels like so organic um because this to me you know this isn't a movie about an issue it's like a, a movie about a person it's like going back to what we talked about an inside job like it's the inside job that's like so broad and it's like you you have so many of these players that all these all these people involved with this um, financial crash begin to feel like one person because they're so anonymous from, from one another um but with stone he he's so interesting to to watch like he's he's like timid and a little shy and and so i, I think the fact that there's so much going on, like you expect a punishment to happen, but it's never like on screen. It's, it's like, um, you can't cut, you can't cut to like a courtroom and then like hear the sentencing happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's really, really good. <laughs> this whole thing is so good. It felt so much more informative than fucking inside job and inside job has an insane amount of talking heads. Yeah, Bilga, have you seen um, Inside Job? I mean, Inside Job, that, that, that whole thing is so, like, finance stuff is so complicated and, like, economics that it, it's, a, it's a different, they're trying to do different things, obviously. But, like, it's crazy. I, I just kept, like, I'm, learn, I'm retaining and learning so much through this documentary and no one has, like, there's, like, maybe one talking head and that's, like, William Binley, like, at the end. And that's not even really a talking head. That's just, like, an interview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't, like, you're just seeing things happen. It's part of the, like, the the documentation going on it isn't like outside counsel of like this is this is and this and this and this yeah it's interesting inside it's interesting that you bring up inside job you know at the time inside job came out um i think i had just started a job on wall street <laughs> and so i was learning about all the i i i have no financial background whatsoever um but i was just like yeah it was i mean it was, it was a writing and editing job it wasn't like i, I was you know, I wasn't buying stocks or anything. Um, <laughs> you working? You weren't working for Jordan Belfort? No, I wasn't the Wolf on Wall Street. Yeah, I mean, looks like I I, I missed some good times. <laughs> yeah, apparently, <laughs> um, apparently missed but, the invite. Uh, yeah, yeah, but but I um, but it was interesting to be kind of watching something like that, and like I looked at Inside Job, and my challenge with that movie wasn't. I mean, I knew what had happened. Like, I was I was there for the financial crash, you know, the the 2008, 2009 uh, market crash. So it's not like I I was aware of what had happened. But for me, it was a test. It was almost like taking an exam after doing yes. all this stuff to try and figure out how the markets work. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch this movie and see if I can understand it. I had to rewind it so many times, yeah. so many times. Yeah. Just like 10 second back, I'm like, okay, wait, what did they say exactly? Show me the graph again. Show me the graph again. It was like a lecture from your least favorite uh, but, but that's uh, also how, professor. But that's also like, but that's also how this stuff can be so insidious. And then that's, I think, what's going on in season four as well. And I think why she does such a good job of simplifying a lot of it, because 
they hide behind the complexity of this thing. I mean, that's what happened in the in the um, in the, uh, the the crash uh, of you know two thousand eight two thousand nine was yeah. you know these these nerds had <laughs> created <laughs> these incredibly complicated financial instruments that like even yeah. like financial professionals didn't really understand um, and. I mean, that's the thing that, that was crazy about it was that this stuff was so complex. And to this day, a lot of people don't really understand it. A lot of people who should understand them don't understand them. And so they hide behind complexity. And, you know, in many ways, that's what Snowden is revealing too. Like Snowden's, I mean, Snowden's whole thing is like, he's one of the few people that can understand this stuff because he's such a, yeah. you know, he's a computer guy. Um, and I think that's also an interesting part of the story that we don't see that much in Citizen Four. If I remember correctly, I think we see more of this in Snowden, the movie, uh, the Oliver Stone movie, which isn't very good, but has some interesting things in it, um, which is that, um, you know, once upon a time, this kind of um, spying surveillance, this kind of stuff would have been done exclusively by people working in the government. Um, but oh, it has yeah. gotten so complex and it requires so much just like technical know-how that they're, you know, they're getting contractors. Like they're getting- They, outs they outsourced it. They outsourced it to other people. To, because the average, you know, government guy doesn't actually understand a lot of this stuff. Um, so so you're, you're bringing people in. Um, you're already doing something that's like <laughs> incredibly sinister, uh, which yeah. part of you assumes the government does all the time which may or may not be true, but then you're bringing in outsiders. <laughs> it's like, exactly. Hey, hey, you know, 20 something millennial, uh, you know, come and come and, you know, check out this thing we're doing where we're like, you know, mm. keeping like the entire world under surveillance and, and we're recording everybody's phone data. Um, and someone like that at some point has to look at it and go, what the fuck is happening here? And this mm -hmm. does not seem right. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's already, I think, I mean, if you're if you're dealing with military, government, top secret, all that kind of stuff, there is a certain amount of, I mean, why is something top secret? Well, it's, it can be top secret because, um, because you don't want your adversary to find out about it. It can also be top secret because you don't want, you know, the public to know about something like yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And, but then you're bringing in members of the public uh, maybe not chosen at random, but chosen for their skills, not necessarily their discretion or their loyalty, quote unquote. And you're bringing them in and you're kind of giving them the keys to the kingdom. And then you're shocked when somebody somebody leaks it. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it seems vaguely insane to me. It's, it's almost like so much money to... becomes involved in it too, because if you're outsourcing yeah. it, you're also paying these, you know, uh, these oh, defense yeah. contractors so much money to like employ people. And it becomes like this, arms race of okay which defense uh, contractor are we employing how much money are we giving them and it becomes this lucrative deal and it becomes this whole career and industry and yeah. then it also contributes to the industrial complex of the military and national intelligence and it just becomes it just like it keeps getting woven and woven into different strands and, and it's it funny becomes, it's, it's like crazy. military contractors like, right i mean it's like you, you're paying these people a ton of money i, I mean i don't remember I, I don't think i ever knew what how much edward snowden was making but i think he was making a lot of money um I bet. because part of the thing is like well we're going to buy you off we're going to pay you exactly money 
and we're basically going to buy you off because if you screw this up, if you reveal some of these secrets, if you if you fuck this up for us, we're you are going to be deprived of, of this amazing salary. Um, yeah. So you buy people in, and Wall Street can work the same way sometimes, but like a lot of a lot of places work the same way. Um, and that wasn't, I suspect, you know, like I, I mean, not that the Cold War period, uh, you know, the immediate post-war Cold War period was, you know, necessarily a glorious period, but I don't gather that the people that were in it, you know, the people that were in the initial OSS and when it became the CIA, like, I don't think the people that were working in that were doing it for the paychecks. I think those people were actually paid pretty, pretty measly amounts of money. Yeah. Um, so, you know. yeah. And it's, and it's funny, like, um, when something is supposed to be handled with so much discretion and, and it's like a top secret idea or, um, or like a mission, it's, it's like that's almost more presumed to be exposed than it is to like on the opposite side, you have something that's open to the public that you want to like instruct the public on, but then it's like, no, that's so much more boring. Let's go to like the thing that we're not supposed to go to, right? Let's go to the one thing that's locked than the thing that's unlocked yeah. in, in my eyes. And, that, and that's sort of it like- draw, it, draw, it draws more scrutiny. Yeah, no, of, Yeah, of course. And that's sort of like Stone's ordeal. It's, it, he's like, no, but why is this locked? And, and why can't we- unlock it is like the the top secret thing that bill is mentioning um because in it turns out that there's no reason why it should be locked um because it kind of spun this whole thing of i mean from how i remember it really is like um hey nsa agent in my computer hello how are you and it's sort of like we would almost communicate um to these people inside our our uh, technology all the time like just like if, if we all just look around to where we are right now, we can see two to three pieces of technology that they may be listening to us on. Yeah. Um, and it became a joke like, so I remember fast. like in high school, everybody would put pieces of tape on their yes. uh, computer cameras. And I, mm-hmm. I just, and I like, again, like I had such a, like a vague understanding of uh, Ed Stone at the time. It. So it's still do uh, it. <laughs> you still do it? I still do. I saw it. I saw it, actually. The, I, I saw it in Snowden. <laughs> I saw, I saw uh, JGL do it in Snowden. I was like, "Hey, that That's seems funny. like a good idea." Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's crazy because it became a joke so fast too. It's just like, "Oh, hi NSA!" Yeah. Like people like, and I think they kind of talk about it in the doc when they're like on that like panel in Germany where the Occupy Wall Street guy, the, like the security expert. He talks about like how he worries about this generation because they talk about their death of privacy so casually. Like oh, they're just kind of yeah. like that was a good. You know, that's a good scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's where the email guy shows up too about like how the, you know, the government wanted control of his email, like his uh, email cues or whatever, and like he had to close the website or whatever. And it's like he's talking about how it's so it's so weird how nonchalant we're just to be like, yeah, you know, privacy's dead, but whatever. Let's go about it day like it's not that big of a deal even though it like privacy is something that is legitimately in the constitution he references saying that liberty and freedom like back then was basically just privacy and like in that like in just agency in general and we're also used to not having that that it becomes a way of life and how that's kind of startling when you think about it and it's like when I first heard it when I was so young I'm just like okay they're 
they're, they, they're watching us. I mean, what does, what does anyone have to hide? I'm like, you know, I'm mm. freaking what, like 13 years old at this point. I'm like, okay, who cares? Like, I'm not hiding anything, but not <laughs> right, understanding right. that like, it and goes beyond that. 14. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the NSA is like checking on a 14 year old, be like, what is that 14 year old doing? But it's like, it's it, but uh, you don't you don't realize that it can le- like it just leads to so much other stuff, and that like they, where they know everything about you, they can black they can put you on a watch list, and like it becomes more insidious when you think about what it can be used for rather than what it's being used for now, and it's ar- mm-hmm. and what it's being used for now is already pretty fucked up. Like five years down the road, you could find yourself if you show if you say the wrong political like if you're planning to get like planning to uh, organize a protest. Uh, you get put on a like a watch list and then you are like taken away somewhere like it's how easily it can just be abuse to even further extent than it already is and it took me a while just to get the grasp of that because it's such a crazy thing to think about of like how much data they process and how that's even possible when like you have like we have trouble with our internet connection it's hard to imagine that like something as like kind of tricky as we have with like technology in general like our phones freeze up for time to time that there's this like data farm that processes all of the information known to fucking man and it just does this on a regular basis well i mean but also if you think about it well the, the guy who says that stuff about privacy and how privacy is basically liberty and when we give up privacy we also give up our liberty. That's Jacob Applebaum, um, who uh, who also plays a big role in Risk, um, okay. and who uh, was very close to Assange, and um, and actually, uh, you know, was also accused of uh, sexual indiscretions. Um, and there's a whole kind of thing there with because um, I think I believe Laura Poitras had a, a relationship with him, uh, which she talks about in, in Risk. Um, but that what I found fascinating rewatching the film and hearing him talk about that stuff is we kind of don't need the government to do that for us anymore, right? I mean, we are basically doing that to ourselves through things like social media. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, a, a total you know, a total government surveillance of everybody's phone calls. That's a different thing. But I mean, you can, I can go on Twitter right now and say something that will result in me losing my job. Um, You know, and, 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 you know, why would it result in me losing my job? Because everybody's watching on Twitter on various forms of social media, waiting for someone to make a mistake. Um, Mm -hmm. And so and I feel like, I mean, obviously all this like social media was certainly around uh, when, when Snowden, the Snowden revelations, got, but it's become so much more powerful and so much more, I mean, insidious isn't the word I want to use, but that's kind of the word. Invasive. Yeah. You know, it's just become so, you know, like we at the time, there was a part of us in the post, you know, post in the wake of 9-11, there was a part of us that, that, that realized we probably were going to have to give up some privacy for what was happening, even though nobody asked us about it. Uh, you know, like it yeah. wasn't a decision we made. It, it wasn't, wasn't consensual, consensual, but there was a certain amount of, well, you know. Well, we understand. We understand and we are, you know, everybody's going to have to be a little careful. 
Um, not happy with it, but we get it. Yeah, and also, but but you also yeah. at the time you don't necessarily think what that means, right? You, you no, right? You think, well, I mean, there are, you know, bad guys, terrorists, whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. Call. There are various people out there hiding, and we kind of can't afford to have something like this happen again. God forbid. Um, and so, you know, like they're going to be really actively looking for these people and, and, you know, we're all going to have to be really careful. We didn't really know what that meant. Um, and over the years, we've kind of realized in certain ways what that means and what that doesn't mean. Um, but in some ways it's like, it's like tenderized us to stop thinking about privacy at all, you know, to stop thinking about ourselves as having any kind of freedom in that sense and just constantly being on the lookout. And it went from, this vague sense that the government might be watching you to this certain sense that the whole world is watching you. Right. And mm -hmm. that, you know, that you can navigate this world so long as you feel that you don't have anything to hide. And of course, every human being has stuff to hide, you know, like, I mean, this is, yeah. that's just the nature of humans. It doesn't mean you're like breaking the law or anything but everybody has something they don't want the rest of the world knowing. Um, mm -hmm. And, yeah. and it's just become like, it's become active. Like it's an active thing you have to do to preserve your privacy. Now. I mean, I think Jacob Applebaum says this, like it used to be like, like the default was that you had your privacy and somebody had to yeah. really hard to get at it. The default now is that you don't have your privacy and you have to actively try and preserve, you know, your privacy, your secrets, or whatever these things might be, or your liberty, essentially. And that's a fucked up situation. Um, and I think Citizen Four, to bring it back to this film, I, mean, I think Citizen Four kind of captures a point in which, you know, somebody like Snowden was kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We, this thing is going way out of control. It's gone way too fast. And like the people that you're surveilling don't really, you know, have never consented to this. And don't know this is happening, um, which of course, like, is the nature of spying, right? I mean, like, you're not supposed to let the people know that you're spying on know that you're. Yeah. yeah. The problem is you're spying on your own <laughs> on your own people. The opening scene of the conversation is just Gene Hackman looking at people walking in a park, and they're just people. There are no suspicions about them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's sort of a similar idea. Yeah. Um, and I also think to to go back to social media, like that can also be put on the tier of like people or I, I guess not people, but ideas in the film that have aged um, with us uh, since 2014 and especially Facebook um, just considering the, the tra trajectory that they've, they've had since their, their heyday. And I guess like they've, they've, they're looked at so differently now. Yeah. 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 I mean, like it was like, you know, you look at how Zuckerberg was looked at in 2010 versus how he is now. Like he yeah. used to be just this weird antisocial like genius. And now he's like the literal devil. Like, you know, now he's like you talk about him in hushed tones because you don't want him to appear out of nowhere. Like it's you funny know, how we talk how, about like we should have like went harder in our social network episode. Like, yeah, like, like we talked about easy, like we used, to, we used to talk about him just oh, he's just kind of like this weird nerd, but you know, who you know, but Facebook, Facebook's cool farm fill, and now we talk about him like he's this alien Lex Luthor type. 
Yeah. Um, it is, yeah, like it is crazy. But like Snowden, I don't like, even though it's been, what is it? Eight, year, uh, eight years since Snowden, like there hasn't been this like, all right, guys, we need to reevaluate Snowden. Like we all, like most, I mean, at least like we, people have their camps. Like they're, you know, like the right. Is yeah, like sort of the binary a, idea you mentioned, you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yes. like he's a traitor, he's a patriot. The people who th- still think he's a patriot still, or who thought he was a patriot still think he's a patriot. The people who thought he was a traitor still think he's a traitor. There hasn't been this like, you know, national reckoning of, but what did we really think about Snowden? Like it's still mostly the same. Yeah. Some of that might also be because the story has been furthered since then. Um, True. And, 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 you know, something like WikiLeaks has kind of, you know, taken over. Um, I mean, other, other people and institutions have sucked the air out of the room. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, I mean, Snowden has kind of, I mean, he's, he's still on Twitter, but, but he, he has kept a lower profile. Biden. Apparently he's just in Russia chilling with his wife and also like making speeches once in a while. That's just yeah, like his deal. And, and which is like, you know, I mean, good for him, I guess. Um, but, I'd like to see what Ed Stone was up to in quarantine personally. But <laughs> he's been in quarantine for eight years. Um, <laughs> but, but I do think there's something to be said for, I do think people have come around a bit more on him. I mean, I haven't, you know, I, it's not like I've had a million conversations with people about it, but I, I like people think about, I mean, you know, in my childhood, we had various, you know, spy, like actual spies, right? Oh, like, yeah. Ameses of the world and people who, you know, like they went to prison or, or whatever. And, and it was a, it was a whole thing. And, and to be, you know, I haven't, I haven't revisited these stories in recent years, but like, you know, the Falcon and the snowman guys and, and, um, and in so many of those cases, because they were, because what they were doing was giving information to a hostile government, um, mm. you know that was that seemed like much more you know clear cut in, you know clear cut thing, um, you know because because Snowden's case has been, um, you know the, the information has been out there and people are rightfully alarmed by it and I think people are still alarmed by it. Um, there's been more of an acceptance of it because the, the secrets that those guys gave, like the spies, the Alder James of the world, we never knew what, we, we never saw the secrets. Like they, yeah, no. that they had given the secrets. We were just told they were spies and we yeah, were told they gave this, dangerous information. Yeah, this guy gave such and such plans to the, the Soviets. Yeah. Oh no, you know, and then- yeah, Exactly. Bad thing, whatever. Um, but uh, in the case of Snowden, he gave the information to us, <laughs> you know? It's true. Um, and so, I mean, there's actually, I mean, he gave a lot of information and, and we only saw a part of it, but um, like he has directly impacted our world and how we think of the government and how we think of our reality. So I think it's hard. I mean, I'm sure, you know, obviously there are lots of people out there who think he's a traitor, who should think he should be in prison or something, but he has demonstrably affected our experience of the world. And it's true. So it's weird to think of him especially because of the nature of what he revealed. Like WikiLeaks has revealed all sorts of things and it's all out there, but, but yeah. in so many cases they're revealing, you know, they're doing things like hacked emails, right? Um, and and that's a very different thing than, you know, or like the Sony hack, which wasn't WikiLeaks, obviously it was presumably yeah. the North Koreans, but, um, 
you know, like that, that information still feels sinister. Like I, like the other day I had to look up something and I actually had to go into the Sony hack emails that are still out there. Find it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was like the email of like a publicist. It was something totally yeah. random. But like, what a bizarre uh, thing! Sadly, that sadly, the only place I could find the damn thing was in the hacked Sony emails, which are still up there. Um, <laughs> and and I was like, "Ooh, ah, this feels wrong." You know, I was like, oh, "Here's the email I need." I copy. I don't want to know Amy Pascal's problematic opinions yeah. right now. Right, but like, so so that still felt wrong to look at that. But mm-hmm. the information Snowden gave us, like, I am well aware of what's being done, and and it's like it's informed my understanding of the world. And for that reason alone, I feel like it would be hard to just say, oh, Edward Snowden should be in prison. Cause it's like, you know, like I know more thanks to him. Uh, yeah. and I feel like it's stuff that I should know, you know? Yeah. yeah Cause if it, if it weren't for Snowden, we just leave the, these pieces of valuable technology that that's all around us up to speculation. And now that's, it's confirmed. Like we can, yeah. I mean, we, um, we, we knew, we kind of knew we were being watched, but he kind of confirmed it. True. And, yeah. and he yeah. revealed the scope of it. And he also, but we assumed there were limits. Like you said, like during the nine 11 thing, like how we as the, you know, America was like, okay, I guess they're going to have to be a little more invasive now, but you know, there's, but they won't get too crazy. Come on. It's America. It's like we have this pre, like we just have this preconception of like, well, we're America, so we can't do anything. We can't do anything too crazy. Like we're still like, you know, got the constitution. We got our amendments. You know, we, we have, you know, it's like, this is the country of freedom. And then, so we all just like, yes, it's going to be, ha- it's a compromise. All right, you're gonna have to watch us. We didn't really consent to this, but we understand why. But you just assume that there would just be like, they won't cross certain lines. Because that's what we've just, that's just how America has postured itself as the country that doesn't cross lines. Um, and then when Snowden's like, no, they never stopped. You think that they might have said, okay, we can't go, we can't go that far. No, they keep going, like they just keep crossing lines. They never, they, ne- they, don't, they didn't even have a line to begin with. They just keep going and going and making it worse, worse, worse. Even if someone like Obama promises to stop that, like, to, who, who has this vocal like uh, con- uh, condemnation uh, or um, uh, who vocally like just uh, hate like uh, just despises or just like says you know this is wrong you can't uh, we can't look at our like you know we can't surveil our own American citizens for no reason we can't become a surveillance state and then he makes it eat like then he pushes po- pushes policy or hires people who pushes policy to make it even more invasive. Like how it's that they, it just keeps getting further rather than like, you know, it like it keeps going uh, in the opposite direction instead of like stopping at a certain limit. There's a line, there's a moral wall that we can't cross over, but that's not the case. Well, what's happening? And so like, I, yeah, yeah. No, because I, th- I think, I think what, um, I go back to that final scene again, where, you know, where it's revealed that, you know, 1.2 million or however many people are under active surveillance. What that says to me isn't actually that the government is like incredibly sinister and, and, you know, is like totally paranoid about these people. What that says to me is it's out of control and it's out of, yeah, they can't stop. And it's out of their control too. Like there's somebody out there saying, every single one of these people has to be under constant surveillance. It says this whole thing is such an out of control bureaucracy. And so much of it at this point is probably automated, honestly. Exactly. That those, 
it's not like the list is never gonna narrow. <laughs> the list is just gonna no. keep going because it's just this like it's ballooning. Doesn't Snowden say like that's the size of a country? Like yeah, the, but it's just like yeah. this basket that everything is going into. Like they don't have 1.2 million spies like watching after 1.2. Yeah, million. they don't even have. I, I they're not each assigned a man to look at us with their binoculars. Yeah, and I, I don't think like this is like these are like people who are. I mean, it's active surveillance stuff. I don't think it's people like just sitting there like watching everything these 1.2 million people are doing. These are basically just people and, and nobody's willing to take anybody off the list because it's so out of control that they don't even have the ability to at this point. It's mm-hmm. just people just keep getting added to it. And God knows what it's like now. Obviously, this is, you know, this is from eight years ago. Um, but, you know, it's, it's what it says to me is that this thing, like so many things that happen with, you know, the government is it's just it's it's growing and growing and growing and and nobody can stop it because honestly it's kind of out of the control of humans at this point um but also there's probably the sense that like you never want to take anyone off the watch list because what if that person you took off the watch list yeah the person who like sets off a bomb in times Square? no one wants to be responsible for the next 9-11 no one wants to overlook the next bin laden no one wants to like you know because that's the thing that was the whole thing with national security is like we had bin laden on a watch list we had um we had one of the boston bombers on a watch list like and that they were taken off and so now it's just this paranoia but we can't take anyone off a watch list because what if they're the next bin laden yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. There's a, there's a documentary called from a few years ago called terror. Uh, mm. It's like T, t parentheses, like the T is in parentheses. So it's like error, like T error, but like terror. Um, it's kind of like Icarus, like the, yeah. the, the parentheses thing too. And it's, um it's, if you ever get a chance, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you do get a chance to see it, it's, it's really worth it because it's about, uh, it's about an FBI investigation into a supposed terror cell. And it's just a comedy of errors. Uh, it's just like, it's out of control, just how deeply this thing just got fucked up. Um, and you watch a film like that and you're just like, the problem isn't that these people are like deeply evil and like, I'm going to get hit by a drone. The problem is these fucking guys have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's a complete shit show and it's not getting any, uh, and it's not going to get any better because yeah. it's, like, it's not possible for someone to step in and say, all right, I'm going to clean house and we're going <laughs> to fix this and make this thing efficient and make sure we're only following people who are really worth it. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's not, it's not like in 2011, you know, we kidnapped Biden, I mean, by Jesus, Bin Laden. And uh, we're like, okay, so we got, we got our, our person that we've been trying to catch for 10 years, shut it down. And then like, uh, like one lever is like pulled and then yeah. um, all these chips are now defunct. It's not right? a video game and then, where you kill the boss and then it's all done. Yeah. Right. And then you have like the other possibility where it's almost as if there was one person that then we cop in line and he's like, so here's part two. And then like you yeah. have this whole setup and like, like you said, with, like you mentioned with terror, it, it's, it, it feels as though they're just like kind of like any person on earth. They're figuring this out as they go along. So it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's funny how that works. Um, and it's, yeah. you know, and when even you the see, most high up government officials are not as. Yeah. And when you see risk, you see, actually see the other side of this and you see it from mm-hmm. like WikiLeaks and Assange's point of view where 
on their end, it's just as much of a shit show, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like it, everything on their end is also completely spinning out of control. Um, because it's, it's, it, you know, gigabytes of info, terabytes of information that we're talking about. Nobody sits around reading this shit, you know, like I don't even like the terms and conditions. Yeah. You know, nobody reads this stuff. Like, I mean, they're, 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 it's available and that's what's terrible about it. But, you know, it's like they just, they, you know, it's, it's, it's out of control. Yeah. Um, which is why you can get something like the, the, the Clinton leaks, right? The, the, the Podesta leaks. And there's nothing in there. <laughs> but yeah. just the fact that the, all this stuff was leaked is like people are like, oh my God, did you see what happened? Oh my God, it's so embarrassing for them. How awful, it's terrible. And you just assume there's something bad. But as far as, I mean, the people who look through that stuff was like, there's nothing here. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think different, I think a different sense of, of what you mentioned, but um, 2016 feels like a forever ago. But I remember when that election was going on, there was like, I never knew anything about this. But so many uh, accusations um, were going on about Hillary Clinton's emails. Oh yeah, and Pizzagate stuff. I mean, the birth of. I don't want to relate those two things, but I think is it was more just um, the idea that someone had something hidden that we initially thought they didn't have. Well, everyone thought they became Edward Snowden during. Everyone now thinks they're Edward Snowden, like figuring out this mass conspiracy. That's what the like level access the internet has given us. Because it was so vague, and I think that's what made all the more confusing. Like, what exactly yeah. are the Clintons hiding? And because like, it's nothing. Why concrete. do we want to find out? Up. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. or you get. I knew so little. Like, when yeah. there's no story, people have to find a story, right? So, which is why you get lunatics. You know, <laughs> you know, like they'll look at a pizza order and they'll be like, "Ah, that's it, pizza order." Yeah. yeah. Um, they'll look like a, like a furniture. Like there was one time when they were talking about how like the QAnon people were trying to like found that there's this piece of like furniture, like a desk or something. Like they were, that they were transporting children in these boxes that also had the desks and that this furniture company was like all this stuff. They're just like making these random like connections. And it's like, cause you think that you have everything available to you. Every piece of information known to man, just on your computer. We all think we're like, people now think they're their own Edward Snowden's like they can connect the two. And then they just make this wild connections that make no sense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean it's horrible, yeah, but it's so like that's where that's where it, it, that's what the surveillance. But like now we kind of have our own access to the surveillance state, which is crazy to think. Now yeah, we're identifying people through Twitter. Now we're you know like Twitter, do your thing. You know, people will post a picture of someone, they'll retweet it, retweet it, do Twitter, do your thing. Whether it be yeah. someone yelling at a like a McDonald's employee or whatever, or some racist, you know, yelling racial slurs, yeah. we can now just. I, we now can we're corral everyone and well, just yeah, like, now we, yeah. we can be our own NSA. Wasn't that like that that guy who was like yelling at those that, that guy in DC, right? The the biker, the guy. Yes, 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 yes. And they misidentified him. Misidentified, like this poor lawyer just got like completely blasted. Yeah. Um horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. They yeah. no, yeah, they thought like there was this cop who did it, and then like I I, I don't know. They like people misidentify people all the time on when like we we all when we take back that power so to speak we use this we use the surveillance state for good or whatever like it becomes this really it, it, it's crazy how we like you were talking about earlier uh Bill, about like how we now do the nsa's work for them 
we yeah. find like we talk about our like we talk about everything we can possibly talk about on twitter like i mean during occupy wall street i mean this was of course before snowden like they were organizing protests via twitter and like the police were like why aren't we like following them like why can't we just like why can't we just see their tweets and then they they would just the police would just show up be prepared for them yeah. for a protest Jeez. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. all it's all out there. Like yeah, sometimes yeah. it's even so much out there. You're just like, why do we even like you said? Why do we even need the NSA? Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it's it, it's it's interesting. And like I think and like what we're talking about is so just it feels like so dystopian. And I feel like you know people like we live in the apocalypse or whatever. Or like we live in future times where none of this all feels like a sci-fi novel or whatever. Yeah, and I, and think, I think I think even more so the fact that we are now inching slowly away from a pandemic and we yeah. started normally saying the before times like that was a common term to use when yeah and our like our climate and our president and it all becomes like this like crazy book that no one would that everyone thought would think would be too extreme to be in fiction rather than in reality i don't want to compare you know it's parody but like and i think uh portress does a really good job of kind of He's just like the overall vibe of the doc is so I, like I love startling I love and tone. unsettling. Yeah. Like the music. It, it, the tone is the, so dreadful. It's yeah. It's, the black yeah, screens so... with white, you know, white typed, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. Even the font feels like, oh man, it's the apocalypse. Cause it's like and this I, times I love... new Roman. It's so bland it's and nothing that you're like, this is the after one moment. Like, we're I all done. Like um, Stone's first email to Poitras and he's, he's trying to, uh, go to that hotel room in Hong Kong and they, they're trying to set up a, a meeting to exchange some information. Be with the um, Rubik's Cube. And there's that, yeah, with the Rubik's Yeah. And there's that stock footage of, um, of them like going through that tunnel. And it's, and it's like, there's something about it where it's like, you know, that you're going to something that um, is unexpected and unknown and has some ambiguity to it, but you're in a Jason Bourne fucking movie. That's the thing. That's what this movie, it's like, yes, it is a documentary. Yes. It's like a piece of journalism too, but it also just feels like you're in a fucking like spy novel. (laughs) Like you're just Mm -hmm. like doing like, you know, I, I, I'll say, you know, ask me if there, if what time the dinner or like the, like, ask me a question about the restaurant. I'll tell you, I don't know. We'll show you to the lounge and then we'll be okay. It's just like, just like random shit that doesn't have an explanation. That's just kind of like, what does that do? What does that prevent? Like, what? How is that a defense of anything? That's just you at like it, we don't. They're obviously Snowden is doing this out of methodical reasoning and has a lot of logic behind the decisions he makes for security purposes. But it all feels so foreign and so random and so like bizarre that you're just kind of like, this is this doesn't make sense. This is craziness. And it's funny, like Snowden has the immense weight of the world on his shoulders, and you can see that, it, it, like a part of his heart's worn on his sleeve a, a lot of time. Um, but also you, you can get the sense that this was all, our majority of it was all planned and it's not like he just broke one day and just like start blurting out things. And in fact, like maybe even like with how social media has become so much more prevalent, you kind of expect like word blurting to, to be the, the root cause of Snowden's uh, escape plan rather than the one we actually see. Yeah, you would think he would Which be is much like more some methodical. guy who makes this mistake and then it all gets revealed, right? right. It's like right. so methodical. <laughs> Everything is planned. Yeah. 
which I find so funny thinking about it now, because like I said earlier, how he was characterized in the news, like a lot of times people, oh, he was just this lonely NSA. Oh, I mean, they didn't, the funny thing is they didn't refer to him as an NSA agent because he wasn't working with the NSA. He would, they would only refer to him as an ex CIA person, even though he hasn't worked for, like he didn't work for the CIA for a few years at that point. He was just working for this random defense contractor. And it's so funny now thinking about like, why didn't they refer him as an NSA employee? Because he just, he didn't work for the NSA. He worked with like, I mean, he did, but he didn't. And that's the whole crazy thing about that. But we talked about that earlier, but it's like, they would talk about him as he was this like some like reckless, you know, disruptor. But what he did was, was so methodical and so planned and so like, like well-reasoned and like, I don't want to be responsible putting the stories out. I have a bias, obviously. I want journalists, people with integrity to do so. I'm going to give you access to all width of documents. You can, you can choose whichever things you publish or not. Like he does, he's so reasonable, logic and logical, methodical, and like, like moral throughout this entire process that you're just kind of like, it's cr- like the, the, you look at the narratives that were made up about him beforehand. And obviously they didn't know, they didn't know as much, but, but still it was all reactionary, like, you know, drivel on network television. It was like, it's just crazy to see him be so like, he's like a, he, and he's so calm at times. Like he's like alarmingly calm. Like he, like, he's not about to, like, he's just like chilling out and it's like, yeah, no, I mean, I did this. I, I knew what to expect. I accept, you know, I accept the consequences. Uh, yeah, I'm about to commit one of the greatest national security uh, uh, betrayals of all time or whatever. It's just like, does your family know? So no, my wife doesn't know. Yeah, he's just like, yeah. I mean, so there's sometimes he looks like stressed, but he's not like, freaking out and he's um, still like so polite like <laughs> yeah super like yeah super well-mannered he's made his peace with it and, and you see uh, you don't uh, that, that this this isn't in citizen four but you see it in snowden the movie which is that he was you know he wasn't like a, a fire-breathing lefty like if, if anything he was a guy who kind of you know he would often get he was up. in the military he was in any yeah. any 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 god came in, from a military family yeah came in with it and also was you know f- fairly conservative in kind of, you know, I mean, I, I have no idea how accurate this is. I assume this part is accurate, but, you know, he, he and his girlfriend are often in, in debates about this stuff and she's the one who's kind of on the left. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's like, once he took the plunge for him, there was no going back. You know, this wasn't the kind of, oh, this doesn't seem right. I'm going to say something. This was like, all right, I'm making my break with the person I was. And once he steps forth, um, when he, once he takes that step, uh, it's just, it's a completely new reality for him. And, and, you know, I think the film does a nice job of that. This is completely by circumstance. I, I asked Laura Poitras about this at the time, but like, you know, he's in, he's in a white t-shirt and he's against the white wall. And then, you know, the, the back of the, the headboard of the bed is white. Um, I think this is when he's moved to her room. Um, mm. and, um, and, uh, and I remember asking Laura Poitras about this. Cause I know, you know, like one thing I know about filmmaking is you never want white walls. You never want someone <laughs> white. Like that's the whole thing. You're always, I mean, every film set is just like, they're painting the walls blue or green or some ridiculous yeah. color just to make sure that nobody's, you know, that's like, they're avoiding all these all white spaces, um, and avoiding like all white clothing and stuff like that. And here he is. And she was like, no, this, that was, I mean, obviously it was completely unintentional, but, and he was wearing a white t-shirt. And at some point 
she actually said she said initially when they were talking about shooting in the hotel room she was like I just hope there aren't any white walls. <laughs> um, and, and of course, that's what she found. Um, and they, but at some point she just kind of went with it. She was like, this is it, this is, this is the reality. And the result of it is, and you watch the film, he seems like a free man. It's like he's sitting in the middle of an open page, of a blank page, right? And his, his future is kind of, it's open. He doesn't know what's gonna happen. Obviously they're gonna come after him, but, um, but what his next step is not, a given you know um and he seems like a free man in that sense it's like he's been liberated and that's why he seems so placid obviously i'm totally applying a kind of narrative yeah, no i mean that's um that's, but that's, that's how it comes across in the film and i think that's one of the things that makes it a a, a great film totally yeah i agree okay i concur um do we have any more thoughts i think this has been a pretty uh interesting dissection um, I think all the ancillary stuff, even though I hate Glenn, uh, Glenn Greenwald with a passion, even the stuff that's like about him, like we still the, all want to give him wedgies. I, I think yeah, that yeah, left the rum. Um, okay, good, good. Yeah. Even like the part about his boyfriend being or his partner—I don't know if he's boyfriend or husband—but like partner was detained in like UK. Like that stuff is engaging and alarming and captivating. Like the way that's like shown and like the sure, progression they, like, of that. Meet that one part at the, air, at the airport yeah when we were talking about searching for sugar man um a few a uh, few episodes back with arlen uh great episode check it out um plug uh but like hit one of his criticisms that i thought was really interesting or not criticisms but just observations that thought that he thought you know kind of deters from this a, a documentary of this style is that it's also passive in the sense of like, it's just looking back and it feels like we already know the outcome of everything. And it feels so distanced and not like, you don't feel like you're in the situation or in the topic or in the, like in the part that you're not in the story. You're just looking way outside of it. Just kind of like seeing it like far away, just as it, that's very much like a good old times. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't feel like it's not that it needs to be in real time, but it doesn't feel like there's no, urgency to anything it yeah, all there's a such so... nostalgia to sugar man for sure yeah yeah but it's also but it's also like this and with this it's like the, it's the exact opposite not in a negative way just but like you feel so like it all feels like it's happening in real time even though obviously it's not it feels like it's but like all it's up like it, it's developing as every as it goes on and there's like this new thing that keeps happening and you just you feel so involved with Sugar Man, you feel so distance, and you're just like, oh, that's a cute story. Yeah. And like, I mean, I like that movie, but it's like, you don't feel so, there's not like state, it doesn't feel like there's stakes to it. This feels, so, I mean, again, different kind of films, but this, you just, there's so much more tension, like more involvement and intimacy into what's going on rather than just this overview of a story that happened once. Yeah, once I, don't, I don't think in Sugar Man, there's as, there's as much questions to answer as, as the movie, I think, wants to believe yeah. it has. Um, and you don't oh, feel with, much like personal stake within like uh, sure, Rodriguez. Yeah. yeah. Because it's just, it's all, it's just like, it's happened already. Yeah. Uh, with this, you feel like you just, you're so, even as much as I hate Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, I'm still like, well, what's happening with his, his partner? Like what's, how did that happen? What is that? What was the American government or the UK government trying to do with that? Was that an intimidation um, play? Was that an actual like mishap? What, 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 what was the, 
point of it like that kind of stuff like it's still you're so yeah. consumed in the movie because as you mentioned like it, since this is espionage by way of documentary filmmaking there's pretty much like endless possibilities at this so point. Many layers. such a idiosyncratic way of um going about this the story that's breaking news after the news the news is broken <laughs> that was my last thought yeah um Bill, if you have any more final thoughts, we'll just go over to the docs, other other docs nominated in 2014. Um, no, I think I mean I think I've said all I. Awesome. Kind of, I mean, obviously these are one can talk about these issues forever, and they're yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean I think it's it's it was fun to see it again because you know at the time obviously it was a momentous movie. Over the years, I thought to myself, you know. You know, th- did we kind of jump the gun in some ways by just like showering every single award possible on this movie um, when there were other documentaries that were even better? And um, like you mentioned, actress. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like part of me was like, ah, you know, is this it's like kind of post Citizen Four hangover? Um, especially since in the wake of it, all these like you know, the Intercept was created. Obviously, that had to do not so much with the movie, but you know, all these things that happened in the wake of it and. I was worried that in retrospect, watching the film again, I was going to be like, oh boy, did we, you know, did we, you know, miss the boat ahead on of ourselves. No, it was yeah. great watching it again and thinking, yeah. you know, this is actually a really well-made film. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, think, not much has changed. Time, but for reasons that were apparent at the time, but it hasn't dated in the way that I thought it Yeah. Was, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's still happening. That's the thing. I wish it was dated and be like, man, that was a lifetime ago. But it's like, no, it's probably, <laughs> I, who knows? Now. It's like, Nothing, no real policy has changed dramatically. I mean, like the infrastructure of the NSA and what it's doing is still there, even though there are like certain committees that deem it unconstitutional. But fuck, and it's funny how unconstitutional you can, shit all the time. You can look at it as this um, frozen piece that has no real effect on policy changes, but you can also see it as like a chamber piece of a person trying to make a decision and living with the outcomes of that decision. And that's how I, yeah, it's like also a perfect character piece as well. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, Even though he's like a real person, but you know what I mean? Like it's a real human story, even though it's about like the most broad topics in the the world. Let's go into the other nominees. Um, You can always, you guys can always chime in with your thoughts on these. Um, Wait, can I tell you what was, because Bilga was wondering what the Gotham nominations were. Can I say those first? uh, Sure. Yeah. On documentary for 2014. So Citizen Four, like you said, won. Actress was nominated. Life Itself, the Steve James. Uh, oh Robert, yeah, Roger Ebert. Ebert. Yeah. Roger Ebert, sorry. Uh, and Man, Manica Mana, and uh, I don't know that one. In Point and Shoot by Marshall Curry. Yeah. Mm. Um, so those are all really good films. Um, and Manica Mana. Um, is uh is from the Harvard uh, Sensory Ethnography uh, Lab, um, and um, it's a remarkable movie, basically set in a, uh, you know, a, a, a what are those things called? Is it a gondola that that goes between mountains? Um, yeah, gondolas. Yeah, like yeah, gondolas. Camera stuck in inside one and just going back and forth with various. Oh, that's cool. Various, various passengers. It's a cool movie. Oh, that's, um, that's neat. And uh, well, actually, this is one of my favorite. I mean, I think if I had to make a list of like the ten greatest documentaries ever, actress would be on it. Um, 
And uh, Point and Shoot is great too, actually. Marshall Curry is a really good filmmaker. And I believe he finally won an Oscar recently, last year maybe, um, or not last year, year before. Um, but um, he's, uh, he's a really great filmmaker and Point and Shoot is, um, is actually a, a fascinating documentary. If I remember, Kirk, if I'm thinking of the right one, um, it's, it's about a, a guy who, um, who kind of goes uh, you know, goes abroad to sort of become an adventure uh, filmmaker and winds up getting sucked into the, the to the Libyan revolution. Mm. Um, wow. It's a, it's an interesting movie. Yeah. Interesting. Marshall Curry did in fact win an Oscar in 2019 for a short film. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cause oh, wow. he, he's been nominated for short films a couple of times. And, uh, Cause I was thinking like, I didn't remember his name on, on American factory. So it yeah, no, it wasn't a doc. It was a live action short film. He is a great um, filmmaker. Um, he yeah. did a great film called um, street fight, which is about Cory Booker's uh, first campaign and really, uh, really interesting, really interesting movie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he's one of these filmmakers, you know, he's, he's a filmmaker who's often, you know, how, we couldn't think about Sundance filmmakers, but like Marshall is a, a Tribeca filmmaker. Like his films, oh, have, wow. you know, premiered at Tribeca, and they often get nominated for a variety of Oscars. And uh, and he's you know he's a, he's a really good filmmaker. But no, that's a good that's a good slate there. You guys did well. Um, let's go over to the maybe less uh, celebrated list. Um, David O. Yellowow and Jennifer Aniston presented the winner here which is in the in the oscars which is a, like such a strange combo yeah. to me um with season four eventually winning we have uh finding vivian mayer uh yeah. last days in vietnam salt of the earth from vin vendors and uh Barunga, the one about the conference conf- uh the wildlife the mm-hmm. Conversation or no, uh, God, no, the yeah, conser- uh, conser- con- oh, conservation, 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 wildlife. There you go. Parks. Yeah, I would. I always knew of uh, known of uh, Salt of the Earth and uh, Varunga, but I, I I hadn't gotten to any of these like I wanted to. Wait, isn't Last Days in Vietnam like a PBS movie? I, I believe so. Yeah, um, is that Ken Burns Vietnam? No, 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 that's no. also that's PBS. A- Kim Burns is, is later. I can't remember who did Last Days in Vietnam, but um, oh, that's true. I, I, yeah. I, I've seen all of these movies and I'm trying to remember Last Days in Vietnam, I believe is kind of about the evacuation. There was a documentary. Yeah, it's a PBS movie. Um, the um, If I'm not mistaken, I think Ken Burns was also PBS. So I, I thought that's where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. he's regularly on PBS. What were um, the, uh, sorry, what were the titles again? Um. There was one Barunga, Salt of the Earth. Oh, Salt of the Earth is a great movie. Yeah, the um, vendors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's actually um, you know, I mean, v- vendors has vendors has done the Werner Herzog thing. I don't know what yeah. the, the directors of the directors of the new German cinema who survived uh, <laughs> have all become far more interesting documentary filmmakers than fiction filmmakers for some Well, reason. have you seen uh, Pina? Because Pina was also nominated yeah, in uh, 2011. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also there's Vivian, Finding Vivian Mayer, the one about yeah. the photographer. Yeah. Which is which is terrific, which is a terrific film, actually. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, yeah, that's the 2014. So it seems so. like they maybe got got this one right this year. Because oh, abso- usually, absolutely. like, the docs, you know, we, talk, we talked about this with Arlen during our Sugar Man But I, I think you can also, like, take what, what you said about the Gotham Awards, where it's, like, 
you thought that in 2014 that it was just winning all this these things but it's like no they really did deserve it and um well it, it but but it is interesting that there's so many really good films there and it would have been nice yeah, i think true. for a couple of them to win a you know an award or two along the way yeah but spread, the, like, spread the wealth it is in four just plowed through i mean i think it plowed through the the critics awards as well it was just you know it was it was yeah. like schindler's list it was that you know it was like you know the year that schindler's list came out nothing else won anything you know yeah I would be curious to figure out what docs like that correspond to a story that also won a Pulitzer. I bet there's a decent amount, but like mm-hmm. won an Oscar and a Pulitzer basically. Cause that's what happened. Like Greenwald. Do you won think the super, Pulitzer. do you think super size me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> Pulitzer winner. Super, super size. Me. Well, I mean, I, I think in the case of, in the case of um, citizen four, it's different because it's, you know, Pulitzers are, were given, I mean, for journalism, they were given to, um, newspapers right mm-hmm. i mean it's only recently have they've been giving it to websites and, and and magazines and stuff like that for the longest time it was an award for newspapers primarily i mean yeah but um so there wasn't i think going to be a i mean you would have to a documentary would have had to have had a, a newspaper component right it, there would have had to have been a you know corresponding newspaper for it to actually yeah yeah both yeah it's just funny because you i like you hear like greenwald is like liberals used to love me hell they gave me a pulitzer and an oscar in the same year and i'm just like okay all right yeah (laughs) that oscar didn't go to him yeah but wasn't he on but didn't he get on stage and laura he might have on stage but laura poitras eventually was actually really kind of pissed that she um that she was not cited when the pulitzer the pulitzer was given to the guardian and um, like you know, it was given to two news organizations. Um, I know she did an article for the Post. Yeah, but she was not cited. She was not, I don't think, mentioned. And I think she was actually kind of annoyed by that. I would be too. She was the one wow. he went to. Um, you know, so so it's yeah. It's, she was the first person because Greenwald came in after. She yeah. she he said, "I want you, but yeah. you might need another person." And I think Greenwald would be best. That's interesting. Wow. I, I had no idea about this uncrediting. <laughs> Man, that's yeah, that's that's stings because it's it's like that's such that's such a it's such an authorship of yeah. like the craft. And you don't like, see her on Fox you can't News mistake. nowadays. Yeah. You don't see yeah, like she she came out all right. I don't maybe I don't know. Hell I don't I I don't think I don't know if she has a Twitter or anything, but she looks like she she didn't go freaking narcissist. Yeah crazy pants and you can and like i mentioned before with um the blatant selflessness that you that you see in interviews that she was even a little shy to put herself in in the movie but it's like i love her voiceovers though yeah yeah the voiceovers are great um so chill but then like what when you see laura poitras in the in the movie it's like this interesting trio dynamic between her greenwald snowden that just um that she's kind of like leering over them um even when she's not in frame and, and that irishman from the guardian who's just in the corner sometimes yeah, saying right. stuff yeah. <laughs> yeah um but i like i think my one i think the way i would sum up this movie and like portraits as a filmmaker is that one of the few quest few times you hear her voice outside of the voiceovers is her asking snowden how he feels that's kind of how i would describe this movie in the yeah. sense of like she takes the time to be like how are you doing 
because she doesn't she knows that there's like she understands the human human component of this thing about inside job again different movies different subjects they don't really have a human component of that movie it's so information based and so like numbers based that you forget like the actual people yeah. like it you don't ask like how like you know it, it, it lacks a lot of emotions because it's so cold a lot of times and or, in know. that case like in that moment like it's so um on brand when snowden's like i'm just a little hungry or i haven't eaten much isn't, isn't that yeah a- like the only thing that's changed is i i've eaten a little less yeah. um there was a part when like they were showing him watching the news and he's just kind of like sitting there like he the, the camera just holds on him watching the news and but he's just like breathing really heavily like not like but he's not like swaying his body. You can just see his chest just puffed up and down, up and down. It kind of, rem- we just covered Portrait of Lady on Fire not so long ago. It kind of reminded me of um, uh, oh, uh, Adele Hanel, um, uh, just like having that, like at the end of the, at the opera, it's just like breathing so much. It's like his version of that. He's trying to retain, like be really restrained, but he just can't help himself. Like just like, breathing really heavily and just like moving like you want his to look chest okay is but and you're inside you're freaking out yeah like he like he just seems so like he's just kind of like rocking back and forth but not by like he's moving it's just because his chest is breathing so much that it just moves it for him mm. it's really it's really like yeah I, I i just love it i love i love a lot about this movie even though it has someone i hate just dis- like <laughs> deep deeply yeah yeah it's fun all right. Yeah, let's well, uh, let's take us out. Let's Citizen Four. Out. Oh, yes. I gotta say. So I w- at the beginning of the podcast, I asked, "Well, why is he called Citizen Four? Like, what's the re- reference to that?" He views himself as the fourth whistleblower in like in the NSA history. Like Binley mm-hmm. is like the third one, so he sees himself as Citizen Four. Oh, interesting. Wow. Fascinating. Ooh. Yeah. Um. Bill Good. This is a, this has been so much fun to have you here. Um, Thank you. This is despite fun. complications. That's all right. <laughs> um. Thank, uh, thanks so much for spending your time with us. Yeah, where can everybody find you online and your work and all that jazz? Uh, you know, uh, but primarily writing for uh, New York Magazine and Vulture. So you can basically find all my stuff at vulture.com. Uh, on Twitter at Bilge Ibiri, uh, B-I-L-G-E-E-B-I-R-I. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm around. Great review about awesome. the Forever Purge just published. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed the 101 best movie endings. That that was such a fun read. For like oh, it was fun. You know, half. It, yeah. it's funny because, you know, we kind of did it and then we sort of put it off for a little bit and then kind of did it again. Like we went back to it and, and along the way, I think there were like, I mean, right after we published it, I was just like, oh crap, I forgot <laughs> about this one. I forgot about yeah. that one. I forgot about this one. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Just like, just uh, just like nonstop. Oh, just like, like hitting myself. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think the one thing that you don't have to feel insecure about is what ended up being number one, which I, I think was like the undisputed. That was, there was Can a I... point where we were just like, let's just make this number one. Yeah. Um, and it solves a lot of our problems. <laughs> did you have, did you all have individual entries or was it just like a group thing? Well, we wrote the individual entries, but we kind of, the way we do these is we go through, and we sort of do our own lists and then some yeah, and then combine them and basically cool. says yeah. Biba, you picked this one you know and then, and then and then there's kind of a ranking process and then we actually go through it and kind of move stuff around move stuff up move stuff down it actually takes weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks uh to to kind of get the final list which is why by the end of it when i was like oh f- 
fuck, how could we forget yeah. this movie? You know, I'm kind of like, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. we had like six weeks to get it right. <laughs> um, but but no, it was a good list. It's always it was yeah. fun, and you know, it was I, rad. Yeah, there's certainly yeah. nothing on there that I wouldn't want on there. It's true. Just, yeah, you know, there's like ten other movies that I'm kind of like shit. Is the it's like why couldn't you of, expand it to 150? Yeah, you know? yeah. it's like yeah, is the taking of Pelham one two three on there? Taking a Pelham one two three is not on there. Gazoom tight. Okay. Um, yeah, because I mean, that's the thing. That's it's Maddow just like having the most memeable face of all time. Just I mean, like it's, it's, it's a great meme. Like that's a great ending. I wouldn't necessarily put it on this list. I mean, I would. Yeah. I wouldn't object to it being on this list. I don't think it's on this. List. I can't remember if it was. I don't think it it's a hundred and one movies. So it's hard to. I just I haven't seen it yet. I actually I I didn't know about this article. I got to read it like now, like immediately yeah. after we're done. Yeah. It sounds great. I'll I'll shoot it over. Yeah, but... that's a good list. Uh, you know, it's, there's every day I come across something that I'm like should have been on there um but it's all right that's a yeah, good sign of living totally um, um thank you yeah yeah of course i mean it's insane that you say yes to any of this like we're <laughs> like you like you're like a prestigious film critic that is like insanely smart and you're just like i guess i'll just hang out with these two nerds for a bit no it's all right it's just, it's just younger versions of me <laughs> yes that's exactly how i've been right. been dying we'll to take be described as a younger yeah. version of bill Gur- bill guy beery that's all i wanted for the entirety of my life okay okay um yeah cool guys uh thank you yeah, yeah of, course. of course um i'm i can be founded on on twitter at jack a draper um i've written about film places like the simple cine file and uh cineflix daily i can be found at Lenderbox at uh, jack draper seven and um next week we're go oh by the way this this movie can be found on tubi a great streaming service Tubi. if you'd like I to watch be, it on if, you'd like, if you'd like to um sponsor us we would not say no i just like to put that in. a lot of great content on tubi um, a lot of great lots of great i love it they do not have bad content all of their movies are great yes definitely there's yes. no movies there yes that there's no movie that i don't like watch tubi yeah. now <laughs> okay um but next week we're going back to rehab um amy um <laughs> Sydney Ir- Sydney Irvinek will be back to join us for um, an exploration into Amy Winehouse, Life and Death. Um, it's our third and final film that's like about music and musician uh, life, and uh, I yeah. think it might be my favorite. So um, yeah, I'm tuning in for that. That's that I can't wait fun. for for Amy with Sydney. It's <laughs> Amy will be fun. Uh, everyone could follow me at birds of clay on twitter and on letterboxing follow me on instagram at mr clay williams you can follow the podcast twitter account at ett pod you can follow the instagram podcast account at exiting 2010s you can subscribe to us on uh, itunes uh, spotify whatever podcast platform you listen us to or listen to uh you can leave us a voicemail on anchor you can uh, please remember to rate review subscribe give us five stars on any podcast platform you listen us on to would greatly appreciate it uh, you can send us an email at exiting through 2010s at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, stay safe, everyone. Stay, uh, get vaccinated. Uh, be good to yourself. Um, you know, it's try to, I know there's heat waves. There was a heat wave here not too long, like, first of all, I guess in the middle of it, technically, but like, stay cool. It's, uh, it's hot. It's hot out there. Uh, and as like, always, do the right thing, huh? trans rights are human rights. Stop Asian hate, free Palestine, Black Lives Matter, and catch y'all next time on exiting through 2010s.